We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithane.org.au. Uh, Father, I agree with uh, Phil. Give us ears to hear as you speak to us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 7, 7, 8, you've probably heard it lots and lots of times. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door is going to be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door is going to be open. What do you think Jesus is referring to? What have you tried to apply that verse to in your life? How many times have you prayed that, applied that and felt like you've just won the lottery? How many other times have you tried to implement that verse and feel like you just got a big fat zero? Ask and you'll get. Seek and you'll find it. Knock and the door's going to be opened. For those who, everyone who seeks and finds, everyone who asks, seeks and knocks are going to get whatever it is they ask for. What does it apply to? It's important when reading the Scriptures to always look at context. Because the writers of the Bible never wrote things out of context. They're always writing to a specific audience for a specific reason. And here Jesus in this portion is not just putting a bunch of random thoughts together. It's not just the best of Jesus thoughts compilation volume one. It's not just, let me just put all my best quotes in here with no context of why I'm putting on this. Like other stuff that Jesus says, has context. So in this potent passage on prayer, the context is previous chapters leading up to this, He's on a mountainside. So imagine this grassy mountain. Those who've been to Israel, you've been to this place. This big grassy mountainside that leads down to the Sea of Galilee and then Jesus perched down the bottom and He's preaching to a big crowd, eating their little lunch on the side of the hill. And it's that famous passage called the Beatitudes. And while he's teaching the Beatitudes, he's trying to help the crowd understand what does it look like to be a follower in this upside down kingdom called the kingdom in heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven is very different to the kingdom of earth and how you live in it and how you live out your life in the kingdom of heaven is vastly different from the kingdom of earth that most people live in. Look at this list that's birthed or brought out of the Beatitudes that Jesus is teaching all these people on the mountainside. This is what it looks like to live in the kingdom of heaven. No words of hate, no impure thoughts, no revengeful thoughts, love your enemies, Look after the poor and the marginalised. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. 
Pray for those who persecute you. Have a life of prayer, fasting and generosity. Don't worry about the present and don't worry about the future. Don't pursue earthly reward. And then don't judge anybody. Now you'd be in awesome company if you think, I am just gonna throw in the towel right now. Like as I go down that list, I got a bunch of crosses. It's certainly not 10 out of 10 ticks. Like that is so hard. Like I could have tapped out of that number three. The upside down kingdom that Jesus is teaching, all these people listening, tell me, what is it like to live in this kingdom that you're talking about, Jesus? What are people supposed to live like in this kingdom? And so He just, and He lines them up. And He just, the Beatitudes, He just passes it on out. Now, if you want to throw in the towel, that'd be fine. You know what, I'd be, I'm, I'm out of here. Or you know what we could do? We could probably settle for a lesser followership of Jesus that has tones of spirituality, but doesn't quite get to the full life that Jesus promised His followers. But it still smells like a follower. But we don't quite experience the life that Jesus told us we would, but that's okay. At least we get part of it. At least we get to taste it. At least we get to smell it. The thing is with Jesus is He outlines all those things in the Beatitudes because if you live like this, then you get the life I promised. Upside down kingdom. No. Because what we do is we go for some of those and then we add some of our others that we think help us get life as well. The aroma of spirituality but without the cost. So you've got the Beatitudes here. And then at the end, you've got this passage of Jesus where He talks about this really narrow pathway. We talked about it last week. Really narrow pathway that actually leads to life and not many people actually get it. So you've got the upside down kingdom. This is what it looks like. Really narrow pathway. Not many people actually get to life. And then nestled in between is this. Ask and you'll be given it to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks is going to find, and the one who knocks, the door is going to be open. What could that passage be about? Could it possibly be about Jesus giving us the key that unlocks the prayer code that helps us implement the upside down kingdom character into our life? Could it be the key that unlocks the impossible and makes it actually possible? Verse seven, ask and it'll be given to you for everyone who asks receives. The idea in the Greek is this person that's flat out on their face, on the ground in a position of humility in front of someone who has the capacity and the ability and the power to give them what they ask. And they're on their face. They're basically pleading. They're basically demanding. Please give me what I ask. 
please, you have the power to give me what I ask. Please, please. And remember in this passage, it's a present imperative, which means it goes on and on and on. Please, I'm not gonna stop asking until you give me what I ask. Please, please, please. Then if you go to seek, it's also a present imperative, which means they're gonna keep on seeking. And the idea is that you're investigating, you're looking. You're looking for the key. You're looking to understand. You're looking to ask the right people. You're asking, you're seeking the information that you need to understand. And again, it's, I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna keep investigating. I'm gonna keep on looking. I'm gonna keep on trying to understand. I'm gonna try and keep on getting wisdom. I'm gonna try and get the information I need to understand. And then knock, it is also a present imperative. My, uh, I've never owned a house or been in a house that's had a doorbell. So when my kids go to grandma and grandpa's, they've got one of those old school doorbells. And, and my parents never leave the front door open, it's always locked. So in order to get in, you've got to press the doorbell. Well, as adults, we know, press the doorbell, stand back. Maybe wait 20 seconds, maybe 30. If you don't hear any footsteps, press it politely again. My children, <laughs> I mean, Grandma heard it the first time, I think. Grandpa, maybe not, but Grandma did. And they will keep pressing that button until someone comes to the door. And even then they might even go a little bit longer. That's the idea. Don't just rat-a-tat-tat and wait. Like just keep on knocking. Just keep on banging that door until you get, until someone opens the door and lets you in. Remember, it's almost like that, that stories that Jesus told about the woman with the coins. Remember, she loses a coin. So she gets a broom and she sweeps the house. She keeps sweeping the house, looking for the coin, looking for the coin until she finds it. Or the farmer who had a, a bunch of sheep. He left 99 behind so he could look for the one. And he looked and looked until he found the sheep. Or the guy who was looking for the pearl. And so he just kept on looking until he found the pearl. He didn't give up, it was worth so much. I'm gonna keep on looking until I find the pearl. And you can tell these three, ask, seek and knock, are building and building in intensity. I'm gonna ask, okay, I'm gonna keep looking. I'm gonna bang on the door. I'm gonna keep on banging until someone opens it up. The idea is, I realise how far short I fall from the character of one who lives in the kingdom of heaven. And I am so desperate for the character of the kingdom of heaven to be in me that I am going to ask, God, would you please do that in me? God, would you please bring more grace in me? God, I fall so short of patience. I just realised it then. Would you please bring more patience in me? It was amazing. I love it when you preach because God gets to test you on what you preach. And this morning I'm here early and I'm preaching away. And uh, this not good emotion was rising in me for a particular reason. And I'm practising my message and I'm getting this emotion in me. And I'm preaching this exact thing. I'm thinking, God, I don't want to get down there and ask you for this because I want to stay in this emotion for a bit. And so I get in my car and I go for a drive because God's saying, right now you can try and apply this if you like. Do you want more of the character you need in you right now? And you want to ditch that one that's not so good? 
why don't you just ask me? And so as I'm driving, I'm trying to, I'm seeking, I'm saying, God, help me understand why I can leave this emotion behind and grab hold of the emotion you want me to have. I just start to knock a little bit. God, I can't do it in my own self because I'm gonna get back to church in about 15 minutes. I want this to be gone because if it's not, it's gonna spoil my whole morning. And it's interesting, by the time I drove in the driveway after my drive, ask, seeking, knocking, He had moved me from the kingdom of self back into the kingdom of heaven. It's not like I'm there forever, like I'm gonna have to go back to my knees a lot on this one. But I was desperate. I was desperate not to ruin my morning. I was desperate to have life because that emotion was stealing life from me. Because we'll apply the kingdom of heaven character and you can have life to the full. Uh, Last year, I told you the story about when my caravan was stolen from out the back. Remember that? I'd parked it out there for a bit. I was part ownership of it. And it had been gone seven or eight weeks. And I just thought one of the staff was playing jokes and had hidden it somewhere. And I wasn't going to lose. I was going to win this one. Over seven or eight weeks later, Phil says, I think it's really been stolen. I think it's gone. Well, it was. It was stolen eight weeks ago. And it's interesting, in that season, I, wanted, I needed a win, you know? I needed a win in my life. And so I remember praying this, you know, something similar to this passage. God, there's a caravan at Australia Zoo that I can win. Can you please? It's mine. And I'm claiming in Jesus' Name, that caravan is my caravan. All you Pentecostals out, you would have been proud of me as I named it and claimed that caravan. But on the other side, my faith not for being strong enough because I didn't win it. But it's interesting, that was what I thought was gonna bring me the life that I needed. And I remember heading into this crisis of faith after I didn't win it. What is the use of prayer? What is the use of bold, faith-filled, I'm gonna get a prayer? That's a simple one. You didn't even need to spend any money. Australia Zoo was spending the money. But I wonder if in this passage, Jesus is trying to teach us that the life He promises is actually found in the character of the upside down kingdom. And if we're courageous enough and bold enough to pray in that character, if we're bold enough to sit in our weakness and just say, God, what is it in me that I actually need right now? Because everything in me wants to go and pray for the caravan. Everything in me wants to go pray for that, 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 and that. Because that I think is gonna bring me happiness. And the Spirit just says, just sit and pray for this. Because if you can get on your knees and pray for more kindness and pray for more patience and pray for the fruit of the Spirit and pray that anger might leave and pray that you might leave the judgment up to me and pray that you won't curse those who curse you and pray that character into me. I promise, says Jesus, that I came to give life and life to the full and you can have it. But that's your prayer. Ask me. I'll give it to you. Seek, you're gonna find it. Keep knocking and I promise you'll get it. This is what a writer called Phil Newton says. Kingdom citizens persist in desiring that 
the character, ambitions and attitudes and behaviour that Jesus called for be shown consistently in our lives. Yet we realise how impossible this is given our weakness and propensity for sin and our lack of power to obey. So our Lord tells us to call upon the God of the impossible. In other words, what Jesus has commanded in attitude, ambition, behaviour and deed cannot be done apart from the persistent, ongoing, regular, faithful prayer. And Dr. Carson says this, Jesus assures His followers that far from demanding the impossible, He is providing the means for the otherwise impossible. Surely like me, you have those weeks where you think, God, I am so far from who you want me to be. So far. Even a morning like this morning just reminds me how far I am from who God wants me to be. You're right in this passage, you said, well, just get on your knees. Like it's not rocket science. Allow the Spirit to lead you. Get on your knees and pray more of that in yourself, A.B., and whatever it is, what is it for you? What, if it, what is it for you that's your Achilles tendon that's, that's preventing you from experiencing life that Jesus promised? Where's the lacking character of you? Just don't go pray for bigger and better things. Don't look in, in, in the eyes of the world and go, you know what, that, I think that's gonna work. No, no, get on your knees and pray for character and see if that works. See, see if more of Jesus in you produces the life that your soul thirsts for. This is great, because after that in verse nine, Jesus says this, He says, which of you, which of you, if your son or your daughter asks for bread, are gonna give them a stone? Or which of you who ask for a fish are gonna give them a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Man, I've tried to apply that verse. Oh God, I know some good gifts. And I just, don't seem to come through. But in Christianity, we often live in this paradox. It doesn't seem to work, but He tells me it works, so I'll just... You know, some of us might think that giving kids whatever they ask for is a great thing. I know for my daughter, Lacey, when she was two years old, she thought putting her hand on a stove was an awesome idea. Or jumping into the pool without learning to swim. Brilliant or walking off the balcony or falling down the stairs. They're great ideas. Walking out onto the road without looking, fantastic. And she would often complain quite loudly if we prevented her from doing any of those things. Often we're asking the question when we're praying, God, are you really good? Because if you're good, you're gonna answer my prayer with the affirmative. And when you don't answer it with the affirmative, obviously that shows that you're not quite on the good side or you at least don't know my heart, or you at least don't know what I mean or what I need. You haven't actually done your research. Is God good? Will He act in our best interest? Will He give me bread when I ask for it? Or will He give me a snake? And the answer is, of course, the emphatic yes, of course He's good. Is He good when He doesn't give you what you ask? Anybody? Anybody? Ooh. Is he good when what you ask, he tweaks it and gives something slightly different? Is he good when he says, wait? When he, is he good when he withholds from you? 
when He changes what you've asked for for something else? Is He good when He gives you a yes? An unknown writer says this, I asked for health that I might do greater things. He gave me affirmity that I might do better things. I asked God for strength that I might achieve and He gave me weakness that I might learn to obey. I asked for riches that I might be happy. He gave me poverty that that I might be wise. I asked for power and praise of men. I was given weakness to sense my need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. In spite of myself, my prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. You see, when a a follower of Jesus desires a relationship with God above everything else, when he or she wants to be in Christ and Christ in them more than anything else, you will always get a yes. When you pray those things, although you are desperate for life, you are desperate for more of Him in you, you will always get a yes. And here's the beautiful thing in that, as He tweaks you from death to life, as He tweaks you from the character of the kingdom of earth to the kingdom of heaven, more and more will you experience the life that He promised. It's giving up this in order to gain this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Give it a go. He finishes with this in verse 12. So that in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Okay, do the Beatitudes and then, ah, you just want me to love everybody like I love myself. Like seriously, just keep on raising the bar, Jesus. Oh, you want me to die for somebody? Here's the beautiful thing. The more that you implement the character of Jesus through praying for it because you're desperate, the loving people with the agape love of Jesus will flow out of you. It's not this first, it's this and that will come. When you don't want revenge, love will come. When you don't hate, love will come. When you don't hoard, generosity will come. When you don't have to be first, but you don't mind being last, others will come. It will come as you implement the kingdom character into your life. And that's what we're supposed to be as the local church. We're supposed to be that light in the hill that people look at and go, that's what I need. And it's not just them, it's Him. Just like Israel in the Old Testament was supposed to be a beacon pointing the other nations towards the King. We are supposed to be a beacon pointing them, whoever's in here maybe, to our God. And it's through our character. It's through our love. They will know that you are followers of Jesus because of your eloquent words, amazing sermons, because of your love. I said this last week as the team comes up. There is a road that's really, really narrow. It's the road to life. Scripture says not many people actually make it because it takes discipline. It takes sacrifice. Similar to uh, the Olympians who you know, compete in the Olympic Games 
There's not billions of them. There might be hundreds of thousands of them, but there's not billions of them because it's so hard work. But they get to stand on the podium and wear the medal around their neck. The followers of Jesus who choose to go the narrow path and live out the character of the Kingdom of Heaven get to stand on the podium and experience life to the full. But it's gonna cost you. Sacrifice, discipline, even hard work. But is it worth it? We tell people it's worth it. We tell people that the life that Jesus gives is beyond anything you'll ever experience. And it's not just about Him giving me caravans. It's about Him making me more like Jesus. And that's where life is found. So Father, I pray over this beautiful congregation, this beautiful church, who already have You being formed in them. You feel it and you see it all the time. The sacrificial things being done in Your Name, the massive gifts of service and resources and effort and love. Again and again and again, you see people in this church give themselves so that people might know that You're a loving God who cares. And I thank You so much. But I do pray that You help us be desperately aware of how much more of You in us we can grow. Help us. Holy Spirit, help us. Thank You that You turn the graves of our character into the gardens of the Holy Spirit power and character. Thank You to turn us that was once lifeless into life. And we so look forward to You doing it even more in Jesus' Name.